Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the fire of God as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 32, verse 18. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and in sure dwellings and in quiet resting places. And when it shall hail, coming down on the forest and the city shall be low in a low place. Blessed are ye that sow beside all waters and send forth thither the feet of the ox and the ass. Now chapter 3 begins with a warning to the Assyrians. Woe unto thee that spoilest, and you have not been spoiled. You that deal treacherously, you've not been dealt treacherously with. The Assyrians were extremely treacherous people. They often would mutilate their prisoners of war, physically mutilate them. They would pull out their tongues. They would gouge out their eyes. They would uh, physically mutilate their prisoners of war. They were extremely cruel. History records that many times cities, when surrounded by the Assyrian army, the inhabitants would commit suicide rather than be taken captive. So fearful were they of the Assyrians because of their barbarity that rather than being taken captives by the Assyrians and being uh, exposed to the torture that the Assyrians experienced, gave to their captives, they would just commit suicide. So Masada is not an isolated case in history. Uh, At the time of the Assyrian might, there were many records of cities, entire cities, that rather than being captives of the Assyrians, committed suicide. So woe unto you who deal so treacherously. When you shall cease to spoil, you will be spoiled. And when you shall make an end to deal treacherously, they will deal treacherously with you. O Lord, be gracious unto us, for we have waited for thee. Be thou their arm every morning, our salvation also in the time of trouble. At the noise of the tumult, the people fled. At the lifting of thyself, the nations were scattered. And your spoils shall be gathered like the gathering of the caterpillar and running to and fro of the locusts shall he run upon them. For the Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high and he has filled Zion with judgment and righteousness. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of the times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Behold, their valiant ones shall cry without. The ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly. The highways lie waste. The wayfaring man ceases. He has broken the covenant. He has despised the cities. He regards no man. He's talking about how the Assyrians have come and taken many of the cities already of Judah. And how the highways of Judah lie waste. The earth mourns and languishes. Lebanon is ashamed and hewn down. Sharon is like a wilderness. Bashan and Carmel shake off their fruits. And now will I arise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. For you shall conceive chaff. You will bring forth stubble. Your breath as fire shall devour you. 
and the people shall be as the burnings of lime, and as thorns cut up shall they be burned in the fire. Hear ye that are far off, for what I have done that ye are near, acknowledge my might. God said, I'm going to burn them in my fire. Like thorns are going to be cut up and burned in the fire. And so at the destruction of the Assyrians, the effect upon those in Jerusalem, the sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? If the fire of God has wiped out the Assyrian army, this highly vaunted Assyrian army, who amongst us can dwell in that kind of fire? The sinners become fearful and afraid, the hypocrites filled with terror when they see the effect of God's fire against the Assyrians. In Hebrews we read, our God is a consuming fire. In Hebrews we read that if we sin willfully after we come to the knowledge of truth, there remains no further sacrifice for our sins, only that fearful looking forward to the fiery indignation of God's wrath which will devour his adversaries. The fire of God. Now, the fire of God to us as children of God is not something that we fear. Beloved, consider it not strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you. God puts us through the, ref through the fire, but it is the refining fire whereby God is purging out from our lives the dross, in order that we might be pure. When we come to Jesus Christ, we have all of our hang-ups. We have all kinds of impurities within our lives. And so God puts us through the fire in order that he might burn out these impurities. We go through the testings, we go through trials, but God has a purpose in the testings and trials of refining us and making us pure, even as he is pure. And so I am in the fire of God. But because I am a child of God, the fire of God is only refining me and taking away the impurity from my life. You are in the fire of God, whoever you may be, sinner, Christian alike. If you are a sinner, the fire of God is devouring and destroying and will ultimately destroy you. Where if you're a child of God, then that same refining process of God's fire is bringing about the purity in your life. Who amongst us can dwell in the devouring fire? The answer, he that walks righteously, he that speaks uprightly, he that despises the prophet off of other people's ills or oppressions. He that refuses to take bribes, who will not listen to evil, 
and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. For he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him. His water shall be sure. And thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. Oh, how I long to see the king in his beauty and in his glory. Jesus prayed, Father, I pray for these that have been with me, that they might see me with the glory that I had with thee before the world ever existed. And not only for these do I pray, but for all of those that will believe upon me through their witness. What is the Lord's desire that you might see him in his glory and see the king in his beauty? We have seen him in his humiliation. We have seen him as he was despised and rejected. But his desire is that we might also see him in the glory that he had with the Father before the world ever existed, and they shall see the king in his beauty. And they shall behold the land, the promised land, the kingdom of God that was very far off. Thine heart shall meditate terror. Where is the scribe? Where is the receiver? Where is he that counted the towers? Thou shalt not see a fierce people, a people of deeper speech than thou canst perceive, of a stammering tongue thou canst not understand. Look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities. Thine eyes shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation, a tabernacle that shall not be taken down. Not one of the stakes thereof shall ever be removed, neither shall any of the cords thereof be broken. But there the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams, wherein shall no galley with oars, neither shall a gallant ship pass thereby. For the Lord is our judge, and the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord our king, he will save us. It speaks of that glorious day when Jesus will come and establish the kingdom of God upon the earth, and he will reign there in Mount Zion. And when Jesus comes, actually there's going to be a tremendous earthquake that will split the Mount of Olives in two. It is going to open up a subterranean river that will flow out from Jerusalem, out from the throne of Jesus Christ. There in Jerusalem, this subterranean river, which will break into two rivers, one flowing to the Mediterranean and the other flowing down to the Dead Sea. And when the river flows into the waters of the Dead Sea, the waters of the Dead Sea will be healed so that it will no longer be a Dead Sea, but it will become a center of fishing industry as they dry their nets around the area of Angedi. And so Ezekiel prophesied of this river that flowed forth from the throne of God and, and how he measured the river in the depth. It was so deep he couldn't walk across as it made its way down towards the Dead Sea. Isaiah also in another prophecy speaks of this same river. The glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers, not where ships navigate, not like the River Euphrates or the Tigris, where the ships navigated on it. 
But the Lord is the judge. He's the lawgiver. He's our king, and he will save us. Thy tacklings, speaking in terms of shipping, now are loosed. They could not well strengthen their mast. They could not spread the sail. Then is the prey of the great spoil divided, and the lame take the prey. And the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. Oh, how happy is the man whose sins are covered, whose transgressions are forgiven. But before the great day of the Lord comes, before Jesus sets up his kingdom, before he reigns there in Jerusalem, the nations of the earth are going to experience the most horrible bloodbath that has ever taken place in the history of man. And so chapter 34, he sees now this horrible bloodbath of the nations before the reign of Christ. Come near, ye nations, to hear. Hearken, ye people. Let the earth hear and all that is therein, the world and all of the things that come forth of it. For the indignation, a term that is used in the Old Testament for the great tribulation period, the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, or the wrath of God. The great tribulation. His fury upon all of their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out, and the smells shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. Throughout the entire valley of Jezreel, the blood will flow to the horses' bridles we are told in the great battle of Armageddon as God destroys the armies of man upon the earth. And all of the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down as a leaf falls off of the vine and as a falling fig from the fig tree. This phrase is used, or this symbol is used by Joel and repeated by Christ in Matthew 24. But in Joel's prophecy, chapter 2, verse 30, 31, he speaks of the stars of the heaven falling as a fig tree drops its untimely figs. A tremendous meteorite shower that will strike the earth. Out in the Arizona desert near Winslow, Arizona, there is a huge crater that is called the meteorite crater. Now, most meteorites burn up in our atmosphere and don't hit the earth. But when one does hit the earth, they, if they are of any size at all, they, they leave a tremendous dent upon the earth. That meteorite crater is about a mile across and a couple thousand feet deep there in Arizona. It's quite awesome to stand on the rim and look down in. 
1906, there was a meteorite that hit in Siberia that leveled the pine trees for miles like they were toothpicks. In fact, so great was the destruction of that meteorite in Siberia that some scientists believed that it was perhaps composed of antimatter. For it is hard to conceive of devastation that extensive from just a plain meteorite. And so they believed that perhaps it was of antimatter. Now, antimatter would be a molecular structure that is opposite to what we generally know as atoms, where you have the uh, proton in the heart of the nucleus of the atom with the electrons revolving around it. In the antimatter, it would be the electrons in the nucleus with the uh, protons uh, revolving around it. And uh, they believe that if matter and antimatter hit, that you have just this tremendous double-charged atomic explosion with matter and antimatter. And it is, a, it is something that the physicists have theorized as a possibility that antimatter exists in the universe as well as matter. Uh, and uh, that uh, the combination of the two is devastating. And some have even suggested that that meteorite that hit Siberia in about 1906 was of antimatter and thus explained the tremendous devastation that was caused. But imagine the devastation that will come when, when there comes the meteorite shower upon the earth that just really begins to, you know, create these huge, awesome craters. Now, we are anticipating the return of Halley's Comet. And though it is possible that at this time, Halley's Comet will make its turn on the other side of the sun, and it may be that Halley's Comet will not even be visible to those that are here upon the earth. Yet the big concern of the scientists concerning Halley's Comet is not how close it's going to approach to the earth, but the fact that every time Halley's Comet comes along, it leaves all kinds of debris in our solar system. And that as the earth makes its orbit around the sun, it passes through the junk, the debris, that is left by the tail of Halley's Comet. The comet's tail is some 100 million miles long, and it's just space junk, just a lot of debris, meteorites and, and chunks and all out there in the tail of Halley's Comet that seem to follow the comet around and gives that long glow of the tail. Now, two times a year, the astronomers can predict tremendous meteorite activity. When Halley's Comet comes around again, it no doubt is going to create as our Earth in its orbit, though we may not even see Halley's Comet, when we come into the fresh debris from the tail of Halley's Comet, 
we are going to have a unusually heavy bombardment of meteorites again. The thing that is a, of grave concern is the delicate balance of the ozone in our atmosphere. Already, because of the fluorocarbon gases that have neutralized the ozone and turned it into a nitric oxide, and the blanket has been heavily depleted, what they are fearful of is a further depletion by the unusually heavy bombardment of the meteorites from the tail of Halley's Comet, and it may be sufficient to deplete the ozone blanket to the degree that the Earth will be subjected at that time to extra heavy ultraviolet radiation from the sun, which will cause exposure to the sun to give you a violent burn and ultraviolet radiation rash. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 33 through 34 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, and may your life be an instrument in God's hand. May you have that unusual joy of realizing God's hand is upon my life, and He has used me. May God help you to share His love with those that are still sitting in darkness, and may you experience the anointing of God's Spirit upon your life in a new and a very special way as He empowers you to do His work. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today has published a New Testament designed for an unbeliever or a new believer just as much as it is for a Bible teacher. Highlights include Pastor Chuck's commentaries that get right to the point on Scripture passages, words of Christ in red for easy reading, an A through Z topical Scripture index covering over 250 topics relevant to life application, 
and a section that answers frequently asked questions such as, is there evidence of Christ's resurrection? And what's God's will for my life? So if you're looking for a Bible to give to a friend, or if you're a ministry that's been searching for a simple New Testament that does most of the teaching for you, then you'll enjoy the Word for Today New Testament with Pastor Chuck's commentary notes. To order, please call the Word for Today at 800-272-9673. Or to read a preview, visit thewordfortoday.org. 